Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast. I'm Mike Geig. And I'm Mike Wu. And it is time. I guess what we're calling Season 2 has finally begun with Episode 18. Yes. Yes. It feels like it's been an eternity, but that's how long it takes me to fix a website. Yeah. I mean, to give people context, (laughs) you and I have not been able to visit each other face-to-face since I left Ohio, even though the plan was to see you like within a couple of weeks because you were coming into Seattle for um, a meeting. Yeah, I've been uh, to Seattle like four <laughs> or five times, but that commute is just rough. Yeah, I have not been, I've, I've not been able to get over there, so I'm sorry. But anyways, I'm glad we're in touch now, and we're gonna uh, catch up with each other live on the air, so to speak. So yeah, when did uh, you head to Seattle? Uh, that would have been like July. Just before oh, July started, yeah. So I guess I should rephrase you, that. When did you betray Ohio? <laughs> I betrayed <laughs> Ohio uh, when I was sure that the uh, election was a lock for Hillary Clinton. So you, you didn't need my vote there anymore. Uh, uh, I was yeah, going to take that's it. That's what to, happened. You left, was, <laughs> and it all just—it all God went to hell. Damn the swing state! Why did you, I leave the swing state? You are going to take sole responsibility <laughs> of that one there. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so a lot of cool stuff. We've got uh, a lot of cool stuff to talk about tonight. And uh, it's funny. So we, we did that quick call yesterday just to kind of get the initial like, hey, man, how you doing out of the way? And I didn't write down the list of topics. So I hope you did or hopefully we can remember them. But I Let's guess see. the most oh, you do have it. Uh, no, I'm going to go right off the top of my head. Okay. First, we were going to briefly talk about the experience I had at the uh, VRE presentation that was in uh, Redmond not, not too long ago. And okay. then you were going to speak about your experience uh, in uh, traveling to China, to Beijing specifically, to uh, um, do something uh, that would be interesting to our audience. And then we were going to talk about uh, virtual reality in the ZeniMax case against uh, Facebook slash Oculus. Mm-hmm. And then time allowing, the actual big main topic was going to be game mechanics that suck, but why they exist and how we might <laughs> fix them. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We have so many topics and we, <laughs> we generally have so many topics and then only cover like one of them. So let's just, uh, I guess, get right into it then. So yeah, so you did this uh, this VR event. Yeah, so it, was, it had an awkward title. It was VR... E, all in caps, and then reality. So VR reality, or however you want to pronounce it. Um, but it was not the typical kind of, uh, hey, let's learn how to make VR games or VR uh, interactive experiences kind of um, session. Instead, it was focused on, in this new world, how do we protect um, ourselves as creators or as technology designers uh, so that the intellectual property that we produce, the very special technical solutions to uh, these problems remain ours and so that we can benefit from continuing to use them and profit from them uh, monetarily uh, when others want to use them as well. And it was really interesting to just see how often we get excited to produce content and don't realize that we could sign a contract that also says we're giving away the underlying technology. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was just really eye-opening to learn about things like uh, you don't have to pay the patenting fee. You can open a provisional patent, which just kind of locks you in for a year, and then you can test your idea in the marketplace to see if people are interested in your solution or uh, the project that you would have used the solution for. And uh, if that's the case, then great, go ahead and patent it for real. Um, if not, well, then just let it fizzle and the idea goes into the public domain or 
you know, whatever. So um, that was like what that particular presentation was about. And it just kind of was eye-opening to see like, yeah, you know what? It's not just about um, having fun with two or three friends getting together and creating something. You have to think from the outset, what if we actually create something, but it doesn't work for one of us long-term and you have to step away? Uh, technically, their contribution walks away with them. They mm -hmm. retain ownership over their IP. So you have to have a, a solid agreement uh, in place while, as they put it, the value of your ideas are zero. Because right. you know, yeah. it's almost like a, a business prenup. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, to, yep. yeah, everything on paper. No one's friends in the business world. You know, so you were telling me just briefly about this yesterday. And, and the, the thought that just kept popping in my mind is that is that this isn't VR specific. This is this has been all software, all ideas for basically ever. Right. right? I mean, I remember getting this exact same talking to uh, when I was learning uh, development and stuff like that. And so it kind of makes me wonder, like, was this just, did this have to be a VR event? I guess, did they do it anything did, that made it VR specific? Uh, they spoke a lot about the types of contracts that um, media producers uh, go into. And, oh, I don't have my my um, Surface Pro in front, open in front of me to look at the technical term. There was, was a, a product term. plug right there. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Just like, so everybody knows, I'm recording on the laptop that Mike Geig sold to me. Oh, you still have the Lenovo. But I take nice. notes. I take notes on this uh, first generation um, Surface Pro that I can very easily take, uh, but I don't have it open right now. So that's why I don't have access to my notes. Um, and because I'm an idiot, I don't put things on the cloud. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, in those notes, there was the description of the types of contracts, especially like if you are used to making, say, almost like VR films, mm -hmm. that you're doing a certain type of work for hire, um, that those contracts are typically written that, hey, whoever hired you to make this content owns that content. Like you make a commercial for Coca-Cola or some other company, they get, they own that commercial. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're working with a new technology base, you're also potentially signing away the technology underneath it, unless you very specifically have a contract that states otherwise. And so that's yes, the kind of thing it, they're talking about. But yes, again, like you're saying, that's just software in general. You should do but, that. But, it's, but it is but, kind um, of a, an interesting fusion that's happening, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, games were games. Games are still games, software, software. But, you know, now you're getting into like cinema, right? right. And, and like, movies look, and, and directing and acting and... Um, Absolutely. Like, look at HBO. Like, they have a whole studio open now to make VR tie-in mm -hmm. promotional Yep. experiences to go along with the television shows. So I find myself what you, more and more yeah. going to talk to film creators or going to talk at events that are uh, cinema oriented. And it's just like, I have no experience whatsoever in film, cinema, anything like that. I just I started in software, evolved to video games, somehow evolved to VR, which somehow has now evolved me into movies. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's not just that VR uh, it brings us into forms of communication or media that we're not used to as game developers, even though it does do that. The mm -hmm. real crux and the reason why this uh, presentation was given was that, um, as the lawyers in the room put it, that we're, we're on the verge of a Cambrian explosion in this particular industry, that the number of new solutions to novel or novel solutions to technical problems is about to explode or and mm -hmm. is in fact already exploding. Um, Compared to, say, some more standard uh, established uh, forms of uh, 
entertainment. So for that reason, they felt we really need to uh, get the producers of this kind of content informed as to what things they can do to protect themselves. And they also had, of course, what was in it for them was they wanted to see Seattle become the richest um, place for VR to prosper. And so they wanted to make sure that whoever started it here, yeah, they didn't want them to get screwed. And then this population for business uh, dries up immediately because- And I like that. I like that. So did they actually say that? Yes, they said it up front. I never trust anyone who's out to do a good deed, right? Mm -hmm. Which is Mm -hmm. silly because I try to do good deeds. But when someone says, okay, and this is what I'm getting out of it, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, now I can trust you. So (laughs) that's good. (laughs) I think we need more of that. Yeah, I think Um, even like if you go to Microsoft Research, mm -hmm. uh, if you go to their YouTube page, the video of that VRE uh, event is p- probably posted by now since it was a was couple it, weeks is ago. Is it the Channel 9 Microsoft thing or their applied research? Because um, their applied research is like their sci-fi stuff. Yeah, I'm And not Channel sure. 9, I think, is where they put... It's anyway, worth a qu- I, I don't know. Yeah, you can, you know sure, you can just... I'm going to click right now and... Cause you said I it remembered... was VRE-ality, right? So someone yeah. should be able to find it. Yeah, yeah. and but it was Microsoft... Uh, research and, and I, I tell you what, I'll actually just put a link to it on yeah. the the post when I post this. Yeah. yeah, Microsoft Research. I found their page, and oh god, there's so much on here. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll have to find it, and then yeah. uh, we'll we'll put the link on. I just remember distinctly they, them saying, uh, "Go to our YouTube page, and it'll be posted in a couple of weeks." And uh, just to be clear, Microsoft didn't officially. Um, they just hosted create, it. Yeah, they hosted it, but mm-hmm. it was actually put together by a number of, of groups that were interested in making sure that uh, interactive VR experiences uh, uh, did well in the area. So Yeah. A lot of company, bigger companies do that now where they host other events, and it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, I really yeah. like that, building the community. It's, it's how you build culture, right? Like we're building a movement. Um, I, my friend Tom Doyle, who, not to name drop, of course to name drop, but uh, he gave, <laughs> he spoke at the panel at the end and he was really inspiring. I think if anybody here is listening and, and they want to know like um, what the take might be from an experienced developer who's now leaping into um, – independent development uh, is thinking about the opportunity before us in something new, you know, about to explode like virtual reality or augmented reality that Tom's comments were uh, really inspiring. So uh, it's watching just to the end, just to see his segment. And I mean, he's in a panel, so everybody spoke really intelligently in that panel. So I recommend people look it up. Yep. Well, do you want it? So I kind of feel like talking about the Zenimax thing next, just because I know and you don't, and I just oh, yeah. it's, it's like okay. eating me up inside. But I can talk okay. about Beijing. <laughs> no, no, let's 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 uh, switch over to Zenimax then. Okay, and so get, uh, to, let's to lay the up. tapestry. What am I talking about here? So uh, because you and I are obsessed with the development of VR and we want mm-hmm. to see it become healthy and prosper, I think something that was really interesting to you and I was this uh, lawsuit that was started by Zenimax against Oculus, mm-hmm. uh, claiming that when uh, Carmack moved from id over to Oculus to become their chief technology officer, that he took with them intellectual property that belonged to Zenimax. And so that Zenimax is suing for damages. Uh, I believe you said it was $2 billion, which I, they, I remembered it was $2 billion. billion. 
Yeah. And so you're saying the verdict came out. I didn't get this news. It so, did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It came out, I think, about uh, five hours ago. Okay. So, um, so only two hours ago in your time since you're three uh-huh. hours behind. Right. So, uh, <laughs> is that how it works? That no, wonder why, no wonder why I never win those matches when I play online. So, okay. So... Before before the reveal, I want I want you to guess who do you think won? What do you think the results were? Um, <laughs> well, this my I really was fifty fifty. I because I'm not technical, and this is why mm-hmm. I asked you a follow up question. It all comes down to whether or not they can detect if the old code base that was used in the um, demo that id Software had. Pro- uh, developed uh, years ago mm-hmm. was in fact carried over into the code base that Oculus had to somehow surrender to re- or reveal in the in the lawsuit. Um, I know that the thrust of Zenimax's um, argument was this was a very hastily uh, conducted deal that Zuckerberg t- took all of a weekend to mull over whether or not he should buy the company, and then decided to do it and didn't do the dupe. Uh, follow the due um, process to make sure that uh, Oculus owned all the IP free and clear. Mm-hmm. Actually, this, I'm glad we actually moved on to this topic because it dovetails really nicely with the VRE thing that we were just talking about. Exactly. Like, um, so, so guess, what do you think? I'm guessing, just knowing how easy it is to copy shit onto a thumb drive, of which, remember, when you first met me, I was like, oh, look what's on this old thumb drive. Exactly. It was like, Shh, it was data I wasn't supposed to have. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Am I allowed to say what it is? Or no, I no, 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 oh, okay, because okay. I, oh, right. uh, I don't want to get into trouble. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't have that data anymore, I swear. I don't even know where that thumb drive is. It's probably lost in some... In my house. Yeah, in some bus stop or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, because, you know, you're doing work on a daily basis, and sometimes it's easier just to take it along with you. And, sure. And, I mean... If you aren't totally on top of things, you can accidentally have or purposely have data uh, that is technically IP of your employer, not yours. Um, So you have to be very careful with it and you have to protect it and delete it when it's not appropriate to have it. And I would say it's very likely that some data, enough data was carried over that, um, or at least present, even if it wasn't used, that uh, it could be found that like there's too much too much uh, copied here that you owe something to. So you're Zenimax. saying you guess that Oculus owes money and has to pay. Yeah, yeah, that's my guess. Some amount of money. I don't know if they get the full two billion, um, but they get something. All right. So, uh, so it was decided today. It's it's interesting too. I, did, I I read about it in two or three articles trying to understand exactly what was being said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't speak lawyer, and uh, it seemed kind of confusing. So. It was ruled that Oculus has to pay $500 million. Wow. Now, of that $500 million, $150 of it was uh, to be paid by, I uh, forget the guy's name, $50 million of it had to be paid by uh, Palmer. Um, mm. And then the rest paid by, by Oculus or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um what was interesting about that? So, so it wasn't the, obviously the full two billion, and they mm. were looking to like follow up with an additional four or whatever. But uh, so it was five hundred million. But and this is what confused me: the court found that they didn't, or the jury found that they didn't find that Oculus copied anything. 
So I'm not sure. So basically, yeah. And so now Oculus is saying that they're going to go for an appeal and and this sort of stuff. So when reading this, I wasn't quite certain. Like maybe I I misunderstood. Like so basically the money that they have to pay is due to kind of what you were saying, the due diligence and maybe not handling evidence correctly or whatever but it it wasn't really the full amount and it was because they weren't really sure what to make of it but oculus did something i don't know (laughs) so So, yes it's it's, yeah so i guess i kind of called it which is even if you didn't take critical pieces of code and features and integrate them into oculus there's enough sloppiness here that it appears that something improper could have occurred we as a jury aren't experts, but it's certainly true that technically speaking, something that shouldn't have happened happened. Mm-hmm. And the damage it causes is not Okay, complete, so, so but, here's, yeah. here's the breakdown. Okay. Oculus is paying $200 million for breaking NDA, okay. $50 million for copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oculus and Lucky each have to pay $50 million for false designation, uh, which I don't know what that means. Uh, and then- Aribe, Ariba, Aribe. I don't know how to say that name. Okay, uh, has to pay 150 million for the the same amount or mm. for the same reason. Reason. Um, and then I'm trying to look for the the section where they say they, like, but they weren't actually like found to be like actually in violation of something. I don't know. Um, also, uh, interestingly enough, um, Zenimax said that they may seek an injunction to stop the sale of all Oculus Rift headsets completely until it's fully sussed out. Mm. I mean, temporarily, but right. until at least they figure this thing out. So um, that would be, I mean, that would be huge and unfortunate, really, for as a, from a consumer standpoint. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I now I'm looking for the well, section where they talk more about that. Yeah, while you're looking at that, the thought that occurs to me is that this, of course, will have a chilling effect on VR development because exactly. if you're a developer, you're like, well, how viable is Oculus going to be if their momentum momentum is stopped um, because they're told to stop selling the headset um, or if I am an enthusiast who wants to jump into a project with three or four friends and I see like, wow, I mean, if we were to blow up and do something great, like what happens to us? Like, are we um, prepared to create an agreement between us that is rock solid and, and wouldn't break um, NDAs and, you know, and copyrights and all that kind of things. Mm -hmm. Is you like, "Uh, it's, it's just such a headache. I just want to do something fun with each other, but it's just going to be this stupid pet project, not like a serious endeavor. And none of us are going to invest enough energy into this to make it a a really viable business, uh, which is unfortunate, which I think is probably why things like the VRE event are, are good because they kind of encourage us to say, I'm just going to wait out in there knowing that there are resources that I can tap for little to no cost to at least get started and be comfortable. And then as my needs increase, then, um, I can, you know, get the right services that I need uh, to protect myself. But sure. Uh, and so here's yeah, what it like, says here. Okay. It says, okay, the so in awarding, they awarded Zenimax the 500 million for the copyright and NDA and stuff. But mm-hmm. they also said that Oculus did not misappropriate trade secrets. Okay. Which I believe is the whole espionage theft. Mm-hmm. Carmack took mm-hmm. code and, and used it. Right. So. They weren't. They didn't lose because of that. So they're saying yeah. that did not happen. They're saying just due to copyright infringements, right, and breaking of NDAs, mm. and so then false designation, which I don't know what that right. means. 
All right, copyright infringement might mean, for example, uh, and I'm just guessing here, uh, let's say there was a bunch of uh, content that was created for a demo uh, that was based in an existing IP that had value, and all those things are considered signature to that IP, like, you know, our sci-fi world has a particular look that includes the texture maps and the models and the uh, uh, visual effects and so on. But to help prototype this other thing, I take those existing assets and use them. Well, you've just broken somebody's copyright in doing that. So right. uh, that's why, like, when you use Unreal Engine or Unity, you have you use those free assets, and you can see very clearly in the user agreement that they grant you a certain right to use the content. Um, uh, and, but if you just say, if you're, I guess, Carmack, and you just copy your old game over and it has all that copyrighted material on it and the other people start using it just to kind of flesh things out, you're technically breaking copyright. So um, if, I don't know if they have to publish it in order to really, really be in trouble, but you're just not supposed to do that kind of thing. So this is saying the so false designation is when a company or manufacturer lies or is untruthful about the origin of a product, whether it's the country it's built in uh, or the origins of the technology or something like that. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how the two can live together. It's say that you didn't you know misappropriate technology, but they did misappropriate technology effectively or right. <laughs> lie about with it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's it's interesting and. From the law side of it, I really don't care. Um, mm. It, but as a consumer and someone in the industry uh -huh. who needs the hardware and who right. wants the hardware to advance, like you know, if this money goes to Zenimax and they use it to build a a, a super awesome next gen VR headset, then all right, then I guess that's the natural course of it. But mm. if it just kind of disappears and we lose an awesome product in the Oculus. And we don't gain anything for it, then it's really right. just a sad day for consumers right. and, and yeah, developers. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen, and everyone ends up super happy and, and whatever. But um, it is it does lead to some interesting questions about what will be the um, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I think the five hundred million is not. I mean, that's a that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, for for big big companies, I, I that's not. I don't think the end of the world. That's not going to be like that the nail in the coffin for right. Facebook or Oculus. But if it does slow down R and D, if it if it does or if the injunction to to stop the sale of headsets happens, I mean that's gonna be a big deal. Right. But All before right. we get our pitchforks out, I'd like to look oh, at sure. it from Zenimax's point of view. Oh, and, I, yeah. and I think from their point of view, the what they would say is actually this verdict encourages companies to continue to invest in VR because Honestly, if we had lost, we would never invest in new R&D anymore. We would just buy technologies because what's the point in investing in new exciting things if they can just be stolen from you? Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Um, so that's another way to look at it. That, but like you say, now it's up to them to take the what they've been awarded if they should actually get it and say, great, because we were supposed to get this money, uh, reap this kind of uh, income for our efforts earlier Um in the uh, uh, development of VR, and now we can leverage it against uh, 
you know, like you said, a new headset or other new projects that are exciting. Um, I wonder how long it'll be fought before anything even happens. You know, because right. like right. winning the court case is only a small portion of right. the battle anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah, this is where it gets disgusting is that like now neither company is really going to be able to move forward for a long time mm-hmm. until things are really hashed out. But I'm sure Facebook has so much cash, you're like, it doesn't matter. We're just going to keep plowing forward. Hopefully that's what they're saying. But Yeah, it'll, we'll it'll, it'll be interesting. And, you know, and, and given the position that I am, you know, working with all this different tech, I wonder, you know, what, what kind of repercussions that'll have on mm-hmm. my audiences and things like yeah. that. But, you know, we'll we'll find out, we'll move forward. But it is an interesting thing and probably more front and center because it just happened, right? Because right? the I believe the lawsuit started like in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so like for it to end today at the the recording of the first episode of season <laughs> right. two. Right. I don't and know. Had, I don't. I don't know if you believe in coincidence or not, or maybe this is causality. Maybe we did this. Yeah. yeah I'm not that, sure. There's a Chinese saying: "May you live in interesting times." Yeah. It's actually. It's actually a curse. I think we've been cursed, Mike. <laughs> no, I think I think everyone thought, you know what, we really want to make this episode awesome. Let's give them something to talk about. And right. so let's just end that's it today. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We just started off on a bang. And now <laughs> everything else that we talk about is just going to be really boring. Yeah. For so for all season. the people who just settled the court case for us today, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> it is well, funny that I just got like, you know, we should, I would like to talk about blank. And then, uh, yeah, the very next day, something very big about it happens. Coincidence. Yeah. Never causality we, <laughs> through sheer force of will. Right. Okay. Um, so, so you, how you, does this? Okay. What are you? What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say. They, they, so you brought up Chinese saying. Is that our yes. segue? Yeah, I was going to say. How does this dovetail to Beijing? Yeah. Well, you brought up a Chinese, <laughs> I guess, uh, saying or motto or what is that? Whatever it is. Uh, I said it was cur- a curse, Mike. Curse. 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 Yeah. <laughs> See, um, your so, mind is going. It's already working. Yeah. So I. Uh, so I went to Beijing. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. Uh, the pollution is no joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, I Beijing was, in particular. In particular, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I was, I thought I was ready for it, but I was not ready for it. And this, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do, obviously, with why I was there. But, man, that was something else. That was kind of like being in Silent Hill a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, we so couldn't they, see the tip of the wing of mm-hmm. the plane after we landed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the wing just disappeared into white yeah. fog. Yeah. And... The, I, to give people clear context, it is very rare to have a blue sky day mm-hmm. uh, in Beijing. You don't even see the clouds because the uh, yeah the uh, atmospheric smog is so thick that you just see this kind of dingy gray from yeah. morning to night. Yep. And it was it was cold when I was there, so they were you know producing heat and, and en- yeah. energy for heat and stuff, which is why the pollution was so high. Though I did get a, a, a blue day, a blue sky day. Nice. I think the last day I was there, we went to the Forbidden City, which was pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Um, it's really really big for anyone who didn't know. Um, <laughs> it's- it, it is funny too because it's like. You go to one building and it's like, this is where the emperor like sat at court. And then uh-huh. the building right before that is, this is where the emperor prepared to sit at court. <laughs> right. And the building before that is like, this yeah. is where the emperor got dressed to go sit yeah. at court. And right. the building before that. And it's just like, he's got like, there's a procession yep. for the for, for the emperor building to building to building. Like, this is where he brushed his teeth. And, this, and it's like, could you imagine getting all the way to court and be like, oh, you know, I left my watch in my room. <laughs> right. And then like having to Go back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, is you notice there's a lot of space between buildings, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not like the guy was walking 
Right now, from building right, to building. Exactly. He's being carried from building to building, from stage to stage. You know, it was um, I heard why it was so big was that it's Beijing uh, translated means northern capital, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the capital that was founded by the Mongol emperors. And of course, they're great huntsmen. So they mm-hmm. had a private hunting ground that nobody else could hunt in. Hence the forbidden hunting ground, which became the forbidden palace. Well, it was uh, a forbidden temple, right? Because it was the yeah. barracks for their yeah. soldiers. or yeah. I don't know. I read the plaques. I don't remember it. <laughs> but uh, there's culture for you. Did you have any <laughs> duck? Did you eat the duck? I had duck. Yes. Nice. Uh, I had pigeon. Oh, yeah. I good, would good. not recommend it. Oh, did, uh, did you not do the traditional crush down on the on the skull and suck the uh, juices out? I did not. I had oh, a little that's... bit of the abdomen section, whichever uh-huh. one that was. Uh, it, it was very gamey. I'm not going to lie. Uh, not my particular taste. Uh, but uh, but everyone, it was super awesome. We were in a nice area. It, it, that was cool, right? And the, and the conference I was there, I was there for a Vision Summit, which uh, is kind of a, our take on trying to have a, like say, a technology agnostic VR summit, VR, AR, just, you know, things about the industry and stuff like that. And, and everyone's welcome and stuff. It's pretty cool. And uh, so specifically, I was there. Um, I did a couple of things. So I did a workshop um, the first day, like an eight-hour workshop on building VR applications, which did not go very well. I got very low ratings for it. And that's really kind of... I don't want to say my fault. I had bad intel. Um, and so I went Were into you told th- that they spoke English or something? No, no. I had a translator. The translator okay. was awesome. He was uh-huh. great. And what, no, I was told that they were all fairly beginner and they were interested oh. in like getting started stuff. And oh. almost every, every bit of feedback I got was like I wanted something more advanced. It was way too beginner level. Like a few people were like, yeah, it was good. It was the right, you know, pace. But there was, oh, man, 250 people in the room. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so it was a big class, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they didn't speak English. That made answering questions very <laughs> challenging. But uh, so, you know, and a handful thought it was right, the, the correct pace, and, and most of them was looking for something way more advanced. So oh. I'm going back this year with, with I'm like, oh, you want it advanced? Let's do this. Okay. Uh, and so I'm going to go back with something <laughs> <laughs> quite a bit more. So um, so that wasn't great, but but it was my first time in Beijing, so it got, gave me a chance to kind of meet the people and understand the culture a bit. I also did a talk um, on the neuroscience of VR, um, uh. which I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. But for this, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm actually going to do research, mm-hmm. right? Like actual, not necessarily just VR articles, but I'm going to look up, you know, neurological studies and things like that. I'm going to learn more about the limbic system. What is the vestibular response? Why, you know, why does it do these certain things and, and how is it triggered? How is it relayed? And, um, and, and I did a lot of study on your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone always thinks about depth perception, right? Oh, we have mm-hmm. depth perception and I, I can't use my depth perception or if I lose my eye, uh, one of my eyes, I won't have any depth perception. And that's not true at all. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, animals don't have death perception. Kids don't have death perception. Death perception is a very specific set of learned traits and behaviors that huh. you still have even with one eye. And it only really affects us ten, beyond 10 meters in front of us, right? Anything closer than 10 meters, we don't use death perception at all. Huh. Um, 
we use depth sensation, which requires two eyes. And that's what animals have. That's what humans have, kids and adults. It's where we can actually calculate using basically trigonometry. Our brains just do this. Mm -hmm. How far away from me you are based on how much my eyes have to turn inward. You calculate uh-huh. that angle, you know the distance because right, my right. brain knows the distance between my eyes. Uh-huh. And the angle of my eyes, I know how far away you are. Um, and anyway, so that's all your fast-paced close But anyway, I don't want to get like too much into it. But that's – you know, so I got. I did a talk on that. Um, uh, let me interrupt real quick. Are sure. your talks available? Can we look this up and watch them? No. Well, I mean, it was recorded, uh, but I think the audio track was just the Chinese translation. Oh. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was recorded and available online. I. I if it is, maybe I'll, I'll. I'll post a link to it. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm. I'm happy to share, but. Uh, okay. But I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the result of that was. I got, I got an email later with like the results of the summit or whatever, but it was all in Chinese. So it okay. uh, didn't, didn't do, do a whole lot for yeah. me. That talk though <laughs> uh, was rated really, really high. So I was really okay. happy. I was really nervous about that one, which is funny because I was like, oh, I've got this workshop. This is easy. <laughs> right, I ended up doing right. terribly. And then uh-huh. the talk, I'm like, I'm not sure, you know, and I ended up being, I believe that was the highest rated talk at the whole conference. Um right. Yeah, and which was, I mean, I, I know that's sort of humble brag, but I just felt yeah. really good about that um, no, because there were even talks in Chinese, you know, uh-huh. and, and so, um, you know, in, in, my, in my fashion, the way I like to do things, I like to screw with people as much as possible. So while I did put in due diligence and actually research and, and all this stuff, I also added just a whole bunch of, of American cultural memes, <laughs> really? knowing it wouldn't translate at all. Uh-huh. And I just, and so I would say something and then like, Look over real quick at the translator. Just watch him panic, <laughs> trying to figure out how to translate what it is I just said, uh, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. <laughs> but it's it's amazing culturally the the difference in audiences, right? Um, in America or in Europe, you know, a talk is more of a conversation, and and the audience will will laugh and will nod their head or take uh-huh. notes and whatever. And that, but at the end of it, you're not really sure what they took away from it, you know. So you uh-huh. hope they took away a lot or whatever. In Beijing, at least was my experience this past time, the audience is stoic, mm. not a not a facial gesture, yeah. not a nod, not a uh-huh. smile. Not an applaud, like nothing, right? <laughs> but at the end of it, they'll come up and they'll talk to you about it in a way that tells you, like, oh, you really understand this. Uh-huh. You paid attention the whole time. Uh-huh. You know, in America, if a, if an audience was just silent and, and cold <laughs> like that, you yeah. think, oh man, they hate this. They're <laughs> bored out of their minds, and they're uh-huh. just not. Ba- they're daydreaming. But it was it was unnerving, really. <laughs> um, but at the end of it, right? People, you know, and. Normally, when I talk about like depth sensation, I bring up some charts that have some trig on it, and and mm-hmm. people are just like uh, trigonometry, whatever. And yeah. I even joke about you know oh uh-huh. math, right? Uh, uh. And it was funny. And again, it sounds a little racist, but this was my experience anyway. <laughs> this, but that when I started talking about trigonometry, everyone was just okay. Let's do some <laughs> trigonometry, and it was just like wow, all right, yeah, this is kind of cool, <laughs> you know. And so, it's not yeah. racist. I think it's simply just the product of having a very strong. Uh, STEM foundation or the equivalent yeah. of STEM foundation yeah. in a different country. But we don't uh, uh, particu- particularly emphasize math or science in uh, school curriculum anymore in the States. No, that's what, that's, that's, it's that, coming back. Yeah. I mean, th- there are big initiatives. There are always big initiatives, right? Who yeah. knows what will ever happen with any of it. But um, but no, I mean, when I taught many a few years ago, I was on a STEM equity committee all about bringing STEM back to grade schools and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's tough, right? Because ultimately, you got to get the teachers to care. 
Right. Well, I mean, not to pull this conversation away from uh, the talk uh, that you gave in China, but just to go back to the education thing, was because you and I both taught in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really struck me the most, and I've spoken about it actually most recently when I was uh, talking to some other people about game stuff and working with uh, less experienced people, is that in game design curriculums, in a lot of them, at least the ones that I've been involved with, there's no math. Like how can you be a game designer with no math? I uh, I started when I when I did a game design course uh, at Stark State College, right? It was just an entry level, and I'm like, all right, let's talk about number relations. Let's do some linear algebra, and they're like, but I've already taken math. I'm like, well, great, then this will be a review. <laughs> right, right. But, but no, but I've already taken math. Like, wh- wh- so what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so if anybody wants a leg up on how do I become a, the next great video game designer, it is not just in having great design ideas. It's actually knowing quite a bit of math because the way you make, create these expressions in code, I mean, it's all mathematics right every emotion that we ever evoke in a video well, and game i mean is not even not that. even code let's think yeah. just i mean even not code right yeah. like for instance that example I, I i always try to bring up is you know if if i have a i don't know 10 health and a fireball does one point of damage i know that it'll take 10 fireballs to defeat me right mm-hmm. and if i have a thousand points of health and a fireball does a, a hundred damage right then again it'll take five or 10, I'm sorry, 10, 10 fireballs to defeat me, right? The importance is you have to understand that from a, okay, the the ratios are the same, but the numbers are very much not the same, right? right? Because if I get into, if I have 10 health and an attack does one point of damage, what happens if an attack does half damage or I'm wearing armor, then I'm getting into fractions of integers, mm-hmm. right. right? Versus where I have a thousand health and attacks do a hundred damage. Well, I can divide that in half and still be dealing with integers, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Th- there becomes an interesting relationship between the numbers where, you know, if, yeah, where it just starts to behave differently, especially then when it gets into to code and stuff like that. So understanding number relations and just math in general, I think helps, even without code, helps you become a better right. designer. Helps, I think it helps you become a better artist. I think it helps makes you better at pretty much everything. Actually, you're of, right. Like, think about how much of the art in video games is technical in mm-hmm. its nature. Um, even if you're just working in the simplest of our tools, like Photoshop, what mm-hmm. happens when you multiply one layer with another? What does that mean versus exactly. if, I, if I overlay? Like what mathematically is happening to the values from the layer above to affect the – or to combine with the uh, pixels below it? Like you you should know that so that you can very directly say, oh, I want to do this. I want this effect. I immediately know what RGB values to use versus like I kind of want this effect. I'm just going to keep experimenting and painting until I get – Oh wait, that starts to look right. And wasting like you're wait, time. You're wasting time if you yeah. knew your math. You just like immediately, bam. Why? If, why? Why? When I add gray to this color, does it get brighter? But when I multiply, <laughs> right. it gets darker. Right. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it just yeah, it becomes super important. So stay in school, kids, and study <laughs> math. And uh, even if you don't understand math, the act of trying to understand math will change your brain in useful and interesting ways. It'll make you um, Chinese. <laughs> See, you can say that because you're Chinese. I can't say that. It'll make you stoic and inscrutable during a lecture, but then you'll really know what to do when the trigonometry slide comes up. I would get super angry tweets if I said that. Yeah, I would get super angry tweets if I said that. Did you know that one half of the mics and the 
and the Mike's Video Game Podcast is totally racist. Yeah. <laughs> One half is racist and the other half is, <laughs> just, <laughs> is <just> Chinese. <laughs> he can't be racist. He's Chinese. He's already at the bottom of the social totem pole. <laughs> It was, you know, I felt good, though. I got the audience to laugh one time. <laughs> okay. And I felt like a legend. And <laughs> it was like, yes, okay. And, uh, yeah, because I, I was I was trying to get the translator to tell a joke. And he would, he just looked at me and goes, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, come on, it'll be funny. He's like, no. Nah. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. But uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, so anyway, so it was, it was a great experience. I, I hope to go back. At least one one time in 2017, I, I believe I will be doing another presentation there. I'm going to go do some more advanced VR. Um, I mean, VR is pretty you know, much just kind of taken over my job anymore, so I just do so much of it. It's impressive. If you, if you do something um, that's advanced in its nature, I think the one thing that I've been finding as I've tried to learn more and more about Unity is that there is a lack of super advanced stuff. Um, so There's a like, lack of advanced stuff everywhere because – Advanced is one of those terms that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I guess right? so. Like one person's advanced is another person's like, yeah, obviously. Like yeah. I would consider simple texture generation super advanced, right, to me. And, and you know, and the more advanced you get, the more very specific. Mm-hmm. Most advanced stuff is basically a study of, okay, in this one very specific situation, this very specific game type, you can do this. Only if this and only if that, but definitely not with this. And at that point, it stops being useful to anybody else. Okay. And yeah, I mean. Even uh, so, uh, yeah. I would urge you to make mm-hmm. sure that it is recorded in some forms that you are allowed to share. Because sure. I know that you're going to try to find um, the talks that you gave recently. But if you go again, I'll talk to your the powers that be and see if you can. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Sure. And if that. not, then I could just—I'll call you and I'll show you, and no one else gets to see it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> if you want uh, in, you got to be another Mike and you make to be it Mike. the, the triple right. Mike's video Only game podcast. That's right. We can—you know what? The way the grammar works, we can have as many mics as we want. Oh, Mike's right. cubed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so. true. No, you're right. It's—we—we we were brilliant. We. <laughs> We named this thing in such a way that it scales. It scales beautifully. Yeah, as long as your name is Mike, you can be included. (laughs) I like that. We were brilliant. I like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So okay. Let's talk about Uh, things that weren't so brilliant. Yeah. Like what? Like like game mechanics that suck. Oh, game (laughs) mechanics that suck. Yeah. So unless you you wanted to talk about something else. So, you know what? Okay, as an aside here, uh-huh. uh, this this is not anything to do with what we're about to talk about, but okay. I was listening through – so for the for, for anybody who doesn't know, maybe you just started listening or, or whatever. So over the this break, I, I remade the website. I've added a Twitter account. I'm making a Facebook account. Uh, figured I might as well actually try to do this thing right. And uh, so as I was moving the podcast episodes over uh, to the new site and getting everything formatted and working and all that stuff, I was listening to one of the podcasts and we got on the topic of Oprah. And it was just <laughs> it just popped into my head because I remembered it now. Uh-huh. I don't remember. I think it was like episode six or seven or whatever. And... And the the only reason this stands out because we were t- I don't know we we were mo- segueing and because we were talking about Oprah and you had said I always knew God was a benevolent black woman and it just cracked me up and I don't know why that just popped into my head right now maybe because we're talking about how racist you are but uh, <laughs> but anyway so I was just like oh yeah I remember that I should bring that up that has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about yeah but, why do our uh, segues are the worst like they're, they're terrible they're, they're, like they're at least. 
15% of our podcast are really bad segues. Uh, and the other 15% of <laughs> us trying to remember what it was we were going to talk about because we right. didn't take notes. Right. And if we did, we just didn't bring them yeah. with us. There's so much room for improvement. <laughs> you know, I think that's this is why the audience listens all, you know, 22 of them or whoever um, is so that they can they can feel superior. <laughs> they can I think like, well, wow, we did, when we ended, I thought we had a, I think we had like 150 active listeners. Yeah. Like we did. I'm sure we lost all of them with Ugh. the super long break. But yeah, I like to think of Mike's video game podcast as is as the like hipster indie plates that you buy with all the imperfections in them because you know they were made <laughs> by hardworking Americans. Right. Um, that's how that's how I view that. Oh. But uh. <laughs> I view us as uh, vintage um, finds from a thrift store that are bruised and reduced, and uh, only the, the scrappy uh, underdogs. Uh, uh, yes, specific eye would uh, <laughs> see the value in it. That's right. Yeah, an artist <laughs> eye. Anyway, that was another terrible segue. So we were going to talk about uh, bad game mechanics. We're not necessarily. Mm -hmm. I guess you want to call it bad game mechanics, no, or just no, game mechanics no, no. that you don't no. like, or. Uh, I think the way I termed it before was game mechanics that are annoying when mm -hmm. you play with them, but they exist for a reason. And uh, maybe we could dive into your thoughts as to. Um, um, why they exist and ways we could improve them. Um, I had a bunch, but I think we mostly talked about my biggest pet peeve, mm -hmm. which has been stun in video games. Oh, one quick aside, Mike, for the mm -hmm. next episode, I'd like to go back to visit the Zenimax thing only so that you could describe to us how one engineer might look at two code bases and determine there's been copying. Okay. Remember, we were going to talk about that, but we totally did not. Oh, forgot it. Well, yeah. if we if we have time at the end of this, we can. Otherwise, okay. maybe seeing some resolution, more than a few hours of resolution of this, and getting to do a little bit more research might yeah. help with that. Sure. Uh, okay. Absolutely. But that's a good point. I forgot all, all about that as well. Okay. But anyways, um, so annoying game mechanic number one for me is in any game where I control a single character mm -hmm. to get stunned mm -hmm. in pvp play like in a mm -hmm. moba or in a first person shooter um you know right now um overwatch is really popular and there's this character may who has this freeze gun that mm -hmm. like, everybody complains about like i remember <laughs> when we were developing the first halo and the pistol would produce this stun in both single player and in multiplayer and i remember we had to have the debate like this isn't a satisfying mechanic to play against when it's PvP. You have no more control. It's been taken away from you, and there's nothing else you can do. Mm -hmm. um, so I believe, if memory serves, it, it's where some asymmetry exists between uh, multiplayer and campaign in the first Halo, was that the stun is either gone or severely reduced in uh, Arena. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on stun? So, so stun is, is an interesting one, right? So... <laughs> At least, at least for me, you have two camps when it comes to player versus player games. Mm -hmm. So you have the rock, paper, scissors, right? Which is your, you know, rogue kills wizard, wizard kills warrior, warrior kills rogue kind of mm -hmm. gameplay, mm -hmm. um, which is where stun very heavily comes into play. And then you have your other camp, which is everyone is scissors. And everyone's just running around stabbing each other as scissors. And that's more along the lines of your Call of Duty, Right. Mm -hmm. And you do have some variance in weapon choice and stuff, but pretty much everyone's an assault troop. Right. And they can be fun for, for different reasons. So I, you know, I honestly believe that, that while I agree 
stun is no fun when it's happening to you. It's also super fun when you're doing it to other people. Mm-hmm. And stun is a little bit like one of the. It's a little bit like the um, the the fear of missing out, the Facebook syndromes, the whatever. Where when you're sitting there dying because you're stunned, you can't do anything. You're like. This is stupid. I'm going to play that character. And then you play that right. character and you realize like, oh, I have all these other terrible weaknesses that I uh-huh. didn't quite realize. Um, and that kind of drives the lifeblood of of PvP. Like if I if I think of like games like Call of Duty, I I would generally in my past anyway, I'd play those until I got to a certain skill level and I'm like, I'm satisfied with that and I will put it down and never play it again. Uh, but games with varied PvP keep me in it for a lot longer, and it's because of that pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually even a, an, an old story, like a, a proverb about it, right, where, you know, it's the, have you ever heard the story of the, the slave and the son? No. No, no. no honestly, so, I haven't. Is it Chinese? So, I should have. You know, maybe. Maybe it is. <laughs> it seems like all ancient stories originate in China. But, um, Racist! <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, so the idea is that th- so there's this the sky work of the fields. The sun is just beating down on him, just just awful. And he thinks to himself, "Oh, if only I could be the sun, that I could punish all of the workers, right?" Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. some magic happens. I don't know if it's a genie, but I don't remember. But he becomes the sun, and he's like, "Yeah," and he burns really hot. And he's like, "Take mm-hmm. that, workers! Now I'm the one in charge." Mm-hmm. And then some clouds come and block him, and he's like, "What? Who? This cloud yeah, blocked me?" Right. I was like, "Oh, if only." <laughs> I could be the cloud because then uh-huh. I could just block the sun all day long uh-huh. and through some magic he's the cloud now and he's like uh-huh. yeah I'm blocking this sun yeah uh-huh. and then the wind blows the cloud out of the way <laughs> and so the right. cloud is like oh if only I could be the wind and magic <laughs> right. now it's the wind and it's blowing the clouds around and then it hits a mountain and it's like oh if only I could be the mountain <laughs> I could stop all the wind so he becomes the mountain well guess what the worker comes with his pickaxe and starts picking away at the mountain and he's like oh if only I could be the worker right. so that, and, and that's what keeps the the cycle of staying yeah. in these games going, in my right. opinion, is that like I'll get in a mood where I'm getting stunned and I'm like, this is BS. That's yeah. it. And I'll go play that class and I'll, <laughs> right. I'll be stunning. But then I'll be like, man, my hit points are kind of low. I don't have an escape. Like yeah. I'm a sitting duck when my when yeah. my stuns aren't available. And so then I just started getting owned by this other class. I'm like, I'm going to be that class, you know, and then I chain. And, and it keeps you going in the game because you, you're varying up your gameplay. Yeah. And so it's a fresh game every time you change roles basically yeah, and, I th- and i and i agree with you i think that is in fact why these annoying mechanics uh are considered good design decisions is because uh they do create a very positive emotional response and the person who can successfully exploit it mm-hmm. that makes them want to keep doing it but as you say there is an inherent weakness that balances it out and so someone else as you're saying everything keeps evolving and you know the term we use in games is is the meta keeps evolving or keeps switching exactly. up and it's, um, it's like uh, agent smith says in the matrix right humanity is defined by suffering if it was right. if everyone had all the abilities everyone would just be bored yeah. so you have right. to feel pain to enjoy it almost <laughs> and uh, i think that's uh, what keep like you're saying it keeps the cycle uh, moving forward and so you use these very emotionally charged uh, mechanics to mm-hmm. keep people emotionally engaged. I think that was the big lesson from games where uh, you had an audience uh, purchasing it, uh, looking for what they would consider to be complete, polished, and fair. The mechanics have to be fair. The programming has to be correct. It has to be bug-free. That was 15, 20 years ago. That's what we wanted our games to be. It is impossible, be. right? Yeah, right. 
But now we say like it can have imbalances in it as long as um, it's not like a, it, there are other imbalances. Like it can be dynamic, in other words. Whereas before we wanted to create the most perfect static sculpture mm-hmm. and call it a game. Now we want this really crazy uh, contraption that's constantly tumbling but never falling apart. Well, and you and know, that's and, what and a completely balanced game is a pipe dream. Right. Yeah. Because even if I give two players the exact same abilities, mm-hmm. right? If I'm in the forest and I pick green armor and you pick red armor, I uh-huh. have an advantage. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, right. This happened in Counter Strike. I remember playing in Counter Strike when you could tag and you could you could uh, spray paint a tag, an image on a wall, and so you would spray paint a, a picture of like one of your team members. Just oh. to, and so someone else yeah. would turn the corner and shoot at the wall. Yeah, right, right. And they would be a sitting duck. You'd be yeah. behind them or whatever, right? right? It would pull their right. attention line. And uh, not to mention other things that got spread on the walls that would grab people's <laughs> attention. But um, but yeah, so there will, I mean, as long as humanity is a bunch of crafty bastards, there will never mm-hmm. be a truly balanced game. Right. Um, gnomes in World of Warcraft in the PvP arenas used to just hide inside of bushes. Right, you could target them if you uh-huh. knew they were there, but right. you didn't know they were there uh-huh. usually. Um, and it's, so it's kind of like that. So at least with the asymmetrical gameplay, if you make okay, say okay, this class is going to be a hard lock against that class, and yes, it's right. unfair, but if you are happen to be that other class, that's just the way it is. But this other class will be your hard lock, and yeah. there's you know right. there's nothing you can do about it. And as long as you keep that kind of parody, like I hardlock you, you hardlock me, and then the person on the other side, we're kind of even with each other. And then as long as I don't have like, if I have two hardlocks against me, then that's that needs balancing. Or if I'm a hardlock against two people, then that's unbalanced, right? But as long as you keep it about that level, right, mm-hmm. which gets harder to do as more and more abilities and cool things, you try to make characters feel unique. Balancing will never be achieved. It's something you strive for. But um, now we're just talking about balancing instead of like terrible game mechanics, but well, actually, uh, you're talking. I mean, this part of our conversation is like, why does this terrible or annoying game mechanic exist? Mm-hmm. And um, so, I think this conversation about balance is valid. Um, sure. Uh, uh, because no, we do I, want to produce yeah. an uh, an experience that, even though it feels annoying at the moment, overall the experience feels balanced, even if perfect balance isn't technically achievable. Um, I think. It'd be interesting, maybe not for this session, but for us to dive into like how would a designer uh, go about trying to um, analyze their uh, mechanics? Um, like, would you use a spreadsheet and try to put math. in all your cl- math? Yeah, <laughs> would you use math, or would you use you know? And how does the math inform other decisions, like uh, what mm-hmm. the art would look like, and and so on? But that's you may also get a- to a point too, and this happens with a lot of yeah. games now, where yeah, I'm just going to release the game. In a quote unquote open beta, right? Uh-huh. We see that everywhere. Yep. And if I see almost no one playing this particular character, uh-huh. then there's obviously something wrong with this particular character. Yeah, right. You know, let the people figure. Right. I mean, because people, it's we're basically a giant hive mind machine for brute forcing and yeah. parallel computing on things, right? We'll find and we'll find all the weaknesses and strengths and we'll post about it on the forums with an air of superiority. Right. Meanwhile, you can just save yourself millions on R&D and just be <laughs> right. like, okay, yeah. uh, they made the spreadsheets for me. Done. Yeah. Right? Uh, Actually, and, 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. You bring up a good point that reminds me of a conversation I had just earlier last week when I was talking about um, some of the lessons I got from my very first boss. This is when I was uh, just just finished school and I was working in, I wasn't actually working as a structural engineer or an architect. I was working in an ornamental um, iron shop uh, where they like cut metal plates and welded them together or that used sounds awesome. milling, milling machines to create custom furniture for, you know, Fancy places. Um, In my mind, I'm just acting out the scene from Zoolander when he goes into the mines. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just... <laughs> no, no. It's a, think of a very, very, very sooty, dusty, like, and the dust is metal dust. Uh, That's so huge metal. Huge warehouse uh, with laser cutters and uh, water jets and milling machines and uh, a lot of welding equipment. The smell of ozone. Right, I'm focusing and, on the wrong part of this right now. Right, <laughs> Go right, ahead. Right. Right. Anyways, uh, and I'm this young... Uh, engineer out of school and I'm trying to find the right solution to every problem that we have that we have to fix. And my boss says, Mike, you just got you have to go out there and you have to make some grapes. And so what he meant was, you know, you put on the welding mask, put two plates together and you tried to weld them together. And if you've never done it before, you just watch the tip of your welding tool just go and you create these mm-hmm. little blobs of metal. They look like uh, glowing grapes. And they don't look like a nice clean uh, linear weld. And he says mm-hmm. you just have to keep doing that until you have a, a clean weld. Likewise with you, I need you to stop trying to engineer the perfect solution. Just put your answer out there and Mm -hmm. see how it's wrong and then react. Um, And to some extent, that's true. It sucks, though, to be the player saying, like, why did you release this broke? There's one thing. It's also kind of fun to be the player because it feels like you're part of the process then. Well, it's fun to be like, I found the imbalance in this character or in this Mm -hmm. mechanic and I get to exploit it until you patch it. Uh, A lot of people get to hide from that, right? Like, I see kind of the same people hopping from game to game being Uh the ones to find these and writing the guides. And it's like, see this person write a guy and you're like, oh, hey, man. It's like, oh, yeah, I stopped that game and now this one. So I'm doing it with this one, you know? And they get their own sort of following out of it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of a cool relationship both ways. Yeah. So again, it goes back to this concept of something that's meta, whereas we used to try to make games that were these complete fixed discs. We never patch them. We never update the title. Just it's done mm-hmm. to like, no, here's this leave, living, breathing thing that here's my best guess as to what will be fun. But you're going to tell me what actually works and doesn't work. And then I'm going to keep coming back to it and giving you a new version of the story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Uh, uh, interesting that. And, so I have a mechanic yeah. for you. Okay. Um, so here's one that I thought was gone, and I just <laughs> encountered it recently, and it really should be dead. Okay. Right? Like, so this is one of those ones that I guess has a purpose, but its purpose has been proven to be incorrect. Okay. And what I'm referring to is is paywalls in games. Mm. Right. So I buy. I get your free app, uh-huh. and then. You force show me advertisements, uh-huh. and then you say something along the lines of, "Oh, if you buy or pay a dollar, you know, I won't show you advertisements anymore, right?" Uh-huh. Uh, or you know, "Oh, you if you spend this amount of money, then you unlock these extra features that you don't normally have." Right. And I get it. Right. We're in a microtransaction uh-huh. society almost anymore, and but but realistically, those. Those mechanics exist to make your game painful, and you can pay me to make it less painful, right? (laughs) And maybe a long time ago, that was an effective solution. But nowadays, if your game says, I'm going to be painful unless you give me money, I'm just going to say, okay, but but this person made a game. It's it's a – 
equal to yours, right. and they're not uh, going to. So I'm just going to move. Like I have options now. Okay. Uh, you, you don't. You can't hold me hostage when I can just walk away. Right. Like you have no power for me anymore. And and, you know, and I get the idea that like, OK, I'm going to make a free game and I'm going to show advertisements to make my money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to force you to watch an advertisement in between uh, levels. And that's called interstitial advertisements. Mm-hmm. And all it makes me want to do is stop playing your game, because if you're going to make me stop playing your game for 30 seconds in a snackable game environment, you've just made me stop playing your game. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I don't, why, why wait 30 seconds and then decide, oh, do I want to keep playing right now? When when the ad pops up, I can just put the phone away. Right. Right. right? Uh, and so there are better and I can get into the better solutions if you're interested. But um, but. I thought these were gone, and then I played a couple of games recently on my phone. It was like, oh, man, just forcing me to watch ads. I just uninstalled almost immediately, um, which, you know, I will say that I'm at a point in my life where I'm a person who, like, you know what? I'll spend money. Yeah, I don't care. Right. I, I'm playing a, a MOBA on my phone right now that I've probably dropped maybe 60, 70 bucks into. What? But, but you know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll spend 60 bucks on a console game, mm-hmm. right? And this game on my phone, I've probably put, I don't know, 150 hours into it. Yeah. I, I mean, I travel. I spend a lot of time on a yeah, plane. Right. I spend a lot of time in a hotel room. So I will, I'll pay, you know, five bucks at a time here and there over the course of several months to just enjoy myself in a hotel room or whatever because mm-hmm. I can. I'm at that point in my life. And so, um, so normally I don't mind the, the microtransactions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give me decent microtransactions, certainly, but don't make your game painful without them or I'm just not going to play your game. Would you consider games that say, like, you get to try this mode or this uh, level X number of times. And if you fail with, um, after that, you have to watch an advertisement to get more lives or, uh, something along those lines. Is that considered painful? So you're, that... you're hitting on an interesting idea, okay. right? And, 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 and this is what ads have kind of evolved to. And this is, mm-hmm. so, you know, when I'm not talking about VR anymore, it feels like I'm talking mm-hmm. about advertisements, right? <laughs> this is like, so when I'm not doing a presentation right. on VR, I'm, I'm somewhere talking to a company or mm-hmm. a, an event about ads. And, so the idea is this. If if you play a level and you lose, you ran out of time, you ran mm-hmm. out of health, whatever. If I show you a menu that says, look, okay, you lost. So you could just, you know, restart or, you know, go back to the main menu. Or if you want to watch an ad, I'll give you 30 more seconds or I'll give you some mm-hmm. more health. It's your choice. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to watch an ad, I don't. But if I'm like, yeah, I was doing really awesome, and I think I could finish this with just a few more seconds. So, yeah, I'll watch an ad. Ad finishes. It says, cool, you watch the ad. Thanks, man. And uh, mm-hmm. here's some more time. Go get, go get them. And I mm-hmm. okay. And then I go finish the level. I have walked away from that happy with my transaction, mm-hmm. and you have walked away happy with that transaction. Right. And the person whose ad got watched walked away from that yeah. transaction happy. Right. Literally everyone wins there. Right, Because, right. you know, and, and so this, we see people making a ton of money doing this now, right? Uh, like this Crossy Roads was the first one who really kind uh, of buckled down and did this. And yes. they, they made a ton of ads money, right? right. And the idea is, th- is this, is like, if I choose to watch an ad, all right, I'm mm-hmm. going to watch that ad. And it's funny right. because it's like it's again it's that whole rebellious nature. Maybe it's because I'm American or Ohio or just kind of a jerk. I don't know. But if you say here, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to say no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And I'll do everything right. in my power to look away and to not right. experience. But if you're like, hey, you want to watch this? I'll be like, sure, man. And even if I don't really care that much, I'll I'll finish watching because why not? Mm-hmm. 
And what I've found is a lot of games who do the advertisements this way, um, I'll be playing a game. It's like, hey, you want like a thousand coins uh, for watching a 30 second ad? I'll be like, yeah, a thousand coins sounds awesome. So I'll watch mm-hmm. an ad. And during the ad, I'll be like, oh, that game looks pretty sweet. All right, I'll just click and download it real quick and it'll just be on my my home screen. And I've, I find a ton of games that way. Hmm. And when it becomes a relationship that all parties are comfortable with and are interested in, it's a really valuable relationship. Advertisements have helped me find several games that I actually enjoy playing. And it's like, well, if, if you had shown me an ad against my will, I'd never, out of spite, I wouldn't have clicked right. it because I don't want right. you having this ad revenue. You're right. just making life painful for me. I'm going to make it painful <laughs> for you. Yeah. But when I give it like, yeah, okay, I'll watch an ad. And then I'm like, oh, hey, that looks pretty sweet. And then I just click it and cool. And then I have a new game to play and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's the, there's the thought too, like, oh, if you get people to download – other games aren't you just driving them away from your game and not really the the fact of the matter is is they're going to leave your game regardless there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about that and so why not help channel them to their next game all right and then you know hopefully your ads channel them back to your next game and so on and so forth right uh, if, if someone's going to leave you no matter what why wouldn't you want to have at least some level of control over where they go Hmm. All right. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons to be said for that. But so to see a game that's just like, no, I'm showing you an ad or a banner ad during the mm-hmm. game. God, like your screens only have so much space right. and I'm right. going to dedicate 20 yes. percent of it to a banner ad. Like, uh-huh. no, thanks. Yeah. Break me out of the experience and everything just because the art direction is completely different. It, yeah. Like you said, it's taking up valuable real estate. Ugh, yeah. Gross. Or, and it like it'll pop up for my screen where I accidentally click it every once in a <laughs> yeah, while. Right, and right. just yeah. like tricked you. And yeah. I'm like, no, nah, yeah. all right, this is done. Right. I'm done with you, you like you, i don't need this you hit on an interesting idea that the idea of the um at least the illusion of choice if you give me the illusion like i'm cho- i'm choosing to watch this advertisement mm-hmm. um i'm choosing to hit this button uh then i will follow through because i feel like i'm empowered i i chose it i was empowered in making that decision versus you're forcing me to i'm going to do everything to reassert my control which is mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to take my eyes away uh, and not watch the advertisement. Like it, there was an interesting um, experiment conducted where they were trying to. Oh, I wish I remember the name of it. Uh, anyways, there was a computer set up to uh, basically pre-program to let uh, the ex- the test subjects uh, succeed or fail. In a predetermined way, like they would say, like try to think of an um, guess, an, guess the number the computer is thinking of, and they're like, okay, and then they would guess the number, and it was, it wasn't an actual um, true test. It it wasn't actually pre-computing a number and then seeing if the user guessed the correct number. It was simply saying, I'm going to say no until a certain point, then I'm going to say yes, and so on and so forth. Hmm. And so, uh, even after it was revealed to the test subjects that you know actually it was predetermined, you were never actually guessing the right number or not the right number. Um, uh, I may have the nature of the experiment slightly off, but it was something like that. Some users uh, said, you know, I really enjoyed that game. I was wondering if I could continue to play that game. And they're like, hmm. no, you understand. There is no game. It's not and a you game, were, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like, but I just liked making the decision. The simplicity well, I think of it. it. <laughs> I think that it was like, guess, is the number higher or lower than this or something like that? And people would try to guess it or something. And uh, it was just the illusion of having a choice is what people enjoyed having. Absolutely. That, absolutely. Yeah. That's it, It's a partnership, right? Yeah. Not a dictatorship. Yeah. When I do the talks, like, so I'll talk about a type of ad and then I'll show a video of that mm-hmm. mechanic mm-hmm. in 
in effect in, a, in an uh-huh. actual game. And in the video, we show the mechanic and then we show the ad and we actually show the full ad and then we show the result. And then we do uh-huh. that for like three or four different videos uh, and or different types of mechanics. And afterwards, you know, I, I generally say like, look, did any of you realize I just got you to watch four ads? <laughs> Right for full right. ads, we didn't. Right. And you did, and you were yeah. happy about it. And right. unless I had brought it up right now, you never would right. have even noticed it. Right, right. And because you chose yeah. to be a part of this, and you were right. invested, right. And that's yeah. that's the part of it. Right. Advertisement doesn't have to be this bad, terrible thing. Hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 interesting, but that's one of those mechanics that should go away. And it's yeah. not. I mean, it just. I think it's founded in some some older. System, some older belief that this is how you can – the only way you can really make money. And and if you think, oh, well, doing doing the thing where users have a choice doesn't really fit in the mechanics of my game, then maybe look at the mechanics of your game because I guarantee you you're wrong. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, my I, big example of, of sucky game mechanics that I hate. <laughs> right, because it doesn't give you a strong emotional um, gameplay response. Uh, it's not about giving you an ever-evolving meta. It's simply uh, – something that's actually outside of the game completely that just uh, breaks your experience, takes control away from you. It's almost extortion. Um, yeah, Give yeah, me money yeah, or I'm going to make this right, painful. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, but it was based on, I think, on the old shareware model, which was like, I'm going to let you play a whole bunch of my game for free. Um, and if you really like it, I really feel like you should pay me to continue, like to get the next chapter or whatever. Well, um, it, or it's one of those things. It's like when an app after you keep opening it up and every time you'd uh, open it up, the window says, hey, donate. And yeah. this window will disappear in five right. seconds. And then after yeah. a while, I was like, this window would disappear in 10 seconds yeah. and then 50. And you just, the longer you had the app, the longer that window would right. get. Uh-huh. So eventually you either stop using it or you paid. Uh, and exactly, it was the same deal, right? And, yeah. But it, it, it worked back then. It was a complete, uh-huh. like, back when there were no other options or whatever, it was uh-huh. a completely viable. Right. Because right? no one else, that, that was back when people were like a dollar for an app or a, a fee. <laughs> Or whatever, no way. Yeah. And now it's just like, okay, yeah, I can see this as a viable option. I'll, I'll pay, I'll pay a good amount of money to enjoy mm-hmm. this game. Sure. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's interesting how things change. Now you said you had a list of mechanics. What else you got? All oh, right. So uh, what I'm seeing now is actually there's a there's a common thread in a lot of them, which is um, these are things that annoy me, but I see that they're valuable to the game itself because they create a strong emotional response, which is greater as far as player engagement and retention uh, than, say, providing fairness and balance. So you're saying you don't have strong emotional responses? I'm saying... You're saying you're a cold, stoic (laughs) audience member? Well, I'm saying I come from the old school where I wanted to... I thought what I wanted was a fair and balanced game experience so that I felt like I was walking into a a system where I could master it and and demonstrate skill that Mm -hmm. was based in some sort of quote-unquote reality, that the simulation of the program was proving my mastery. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I'm finding now is that games are actually about creating strong emotional responses in its players in order to create the most engagement over the uh, longest period of time. And so another mechanic that falls into that stun category for me is uh, emotes, especially unmutable emotes or forms of communication in games. Uh, I remember uh, I was playing Clash of uh, uh, Clash Royale quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. when it first came out. And one of the things that evolved very quickly were people who would 
and it still exists today, you know, where they would spam those funny little iconic animations to annoy you during gameplay. Just like, oh, sure. boo-hoo, you're losing. Instead of, I think the original intention was like, oh, man, you did something that's making me sad. Instead, they would issue it to say, like, I did something to make you sad. You should feel sad right now. It's like, God, this is so annoying. I wish I could mute these fools. But, <laughs> the, but Supercell That's what you action, meant by unmutable. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The... Um, oh yeah, not as an unchangeable, but like, exactly. you can't yeah, si- gotcha. you can't si- can't silence them. Um, Supercell actually officially came out and said uh, we're not going to give you a mute option for emotes because we feel like it's a very important part of the game to be able to express your feelings as you play. And what I knew is like you really want us to have a strong emotional response for good or for worse. You think it's more important that we have a response than it is to have a positive play experience uh, necessarily. Um, in the end, they finally did provide. Um, a mute like after you know you can just say oh god i don't want to see this and you can put silent on but mm-hmm. guess what it still tells you that the person is trying to communicate with you so that you can imagine because the only reason why you would mute is like oh i've seen these people enough they're just spamming this particular tiny type of message it's sort of like seeing um you know swear words uh, uh, and cartoons with one mm-hmm. letter change it's like you know what the word is, you know what they're saying right and so it's the same kind of thing you know i kind of i disagree with you on that one okay. so first off i have a lot of fun with the emotes so <laughs> yeah. like and so, sometimes i troll i do uh-huh. but but sometimes like when a person is like spamming emotes uh-huh. i'll start spamming them back and it's almost like we're just having fun spamming emotes yeah. at each other uh-huh. and then the the actual match is secondary yeah. um and you know, every once in a while, like, so yeah, I'm going to be on a losing streak. I'm in a bad mood. I'm like, you know, I'm going to mute emotes just because I'm just uh-huh. not in the mood to get trolled right uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. But later I'd forget that I did that. And so uh-huh. it telling me that it did that would make me think like, oh, yeah, I want to turn that back on. Uh-huh. Right? Because um, otherwise I just – I wouldn't remember. Uh, I see. Yeah. And and also, like, if I – so I actually enjoy the, the human interaction of PvP games uh-huh. probably more than – a lot of times more than the game itself. So if I went through – if I just left Silent on and I didn't emote uh-huh. or interact with the player other than just playing them, why am I playing a human? Why am I not just playing the computer then, right? And so I would quickly get bored of the game because it's like – why i mean i can play against a computer mm-hmm. whenever i want in a lot of different games so why do i want to play against people specifically and the answer is so that i can crush them uh, <laughs> and but but besides that right. uh yeah uh yeah my my family found out very recently that i'm a video game trash talker when i started <laughs> when i broke out the nes and played ice hockey with my 7 year old but uh yeah i just i take no prisoners but um but yeah and so like that human interaction is the fun part Right. right. And, uh, so. and so exactly. And so that's why I think a company like Supercell is right to say uh, a strong emotional response, even if they're sometimes negative, is really important to us. And if we make it possible to drop out, then the value of the game is really. Well, like, see, point, and I don't know that yeah. I want to call it a strong emotional okay. response because, okay. like, like I, I cried when Eris died in Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Right? That that was uh-huh. an emotional response. These games are, I believe, trying to establish a strong human interaction which is a huge distinction oh right? you mean just the I'm, fact that there's another being on the other end of the line exactly. not necessarily that i'm happy or sad because like when i play uh against ai mm-hmm. in say a moba or whatever or just me and a bunch of bots or whatever because i want to practice something the bots will emote and uh-huh. 
I don't care about it in any way, uh-huh. shape, or form. Uh-huh. Right? It's that I would silence, and I wouldn't care at all. But you know, it's the other players, the the, the human element that that is what's so important about it. So it's not the emotional response in my mind as far as this goes. Mm-hmm. They want to create a social atmosphere, and the good and the bad of being social is that humans are generally jerks, but. Um, especially on the internet. <laughs> but, and I, I, I'm not saying that with any judgment. I'm probably pretty terrible. I know for a fact I've made people cry. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I get bad. I get, I get really bad sometimes. But, um, but yeah, I recognized I had a problem when I was like, like trolling people on Facebook where they could see it was me. Uh, but <laughs> then I'm like, okay, maybe I need to, to stop. But uh, <laughs> I have a very understanding wife. Uh, but besides that, yeah, I, I think the the strong emotional human interaction is is, okay. what is so, at least for me. I mean, I totally uh-huh. get what you're saying though, uh, but I wouldn't even necessarily call that a, a mechanic, would you? I mean, maybe like a feature. Maybe it's a feature, but like aspect. the same way, like, like just like paywalls aren't, necessarily a mechanic but a you're feature. right yeah. you're right yeah um let's see anything else i know we're running a little bit long here um but uh you know quick time events were on my list of things like why does this still <sighs> i'm exist gonna agree with you on that one because yeah. quick time you know you go it's yours you okay. talk about it <laughs> well my introduction to qtes uh was uh back That's at the beginning, time beginning events for yep, anyone who yep. doesn't know the lingo uh, uh, back in the <laughs> the beginning of time, the eighties, um, <laughs> when Laserdisc games first came out, and Dragon's Lair just completely captured oh, my imagination. Yeah. And we did not call it a quick time event back then. We just called it like this is the way. The, this is uh, the next generation in video games. You had this really cool <laughs> joystick, and you had to know, you had to figure out exactly what input to create, whether it was a sword, like a button press, or a direction mm-hmm. press at a precisely the right moment um so this is um qtes without even telling you left right up down specifically it was like an element on the screen would flash and you'd have to understand oh it means push up right now or it does it mean to push the button right now i'm not sure uh or is it left or right you just have to tell from based on the where something flashed it's trying to get me to do a certain thing Mm -hmm. and you have to do it within a really short uh time frame um which is basically just like any modern uh quick time event um Back then, we tolerated it because the experience of seeing like Disney quality animation play out in front of us was so novel and so cool, mm-hmm. and we felt like yeah. we were in con- control of it. Um, where, whereas now, I feel like the mechanic is used uh, because I want to show you something really cool that 20 years ago or 15 years ago, we would have done a cinematic and you would have watched your character do something really cool. But what we discovered as game designers is that that really bums players out when the they would have agency. Yeah. When the character gets to do something cool, that's when you should be in gameplay. So they found this kind of uh, crutch, which is, well, we can't actually show the character doing these things in normal gameplay because it's a mechanic that we don't support. The animation's too intensive to do long-term. When it's super overpowered or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. Or it's super overpowered or the environment wouldn't be suited to support this. We have to do it in a very, like you're in this tight little rail. Um, So we're going to do these very complex actions don't translate to four buttons. Yeah, right. Yes, yes, exactly. So we'll do a QTE. So I understand what was like, we're going to give them that agency and that control back. But if, you know, how does mashing uh, X necessarily doing this or left, right? Like, I think there's a right way to to do something like it where, where like Dragon's Lair was a little bit correct in that um, 
I actually felt like I was pushing the character in the right direction, for example, versus um, being told to randomly hit a certain number of buttons, even though they try to say like, you know, up for the, the circle button, circle button up top on the PlayStation controller. That's the uh, right button, I believe. Right, okay. Triangles um, top, squares yeah, okay. left, circles okay. right, X button. Okay. Um, anyways, they try to do it a little bit, but I've always found like the 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 buttons on a controller don't give me, they don't correlate to the, to the amazing motions that I see on screen. And so mm-hmm. that's for me, was a, an annoying mechanic. They haven't found the right solution for, even though I understand the motivation is to show me some, to continue my agency. Um, and you know, I, I always you're... felt that, uh, that that was a completely f- a giant failure in its original endeavor. Cause I mm-hmm. agree. The idea is that they want to show me something cool, right? Mm-hmm. Except, what they really mean is I want to show everyone else in the room watching this something cool uh, because uh-huh. you're focusing on these buttons. Right. I, right. I've never – I don't know that I've ever seen the results of a quick time event that I've played because <laughs> I have to watch – There was it was this way with um, – I mean, the God of Wars, right? But it was mm-hmm. also um, Final Fantasy VIII, right? Mm-hmm. Where you had the gun sword, so you had to hit the trigger at the right moments mm-hmm. in this meter or during the, your abilities or whatever, and you would just stare at the meter. Yeah, And yeah. so I, I, to this day, I co- couldn't tell you what it looked like because I, I didn't get to enjoy that. My friends watching me play got to enjoy that. Um, so I, I do not like quick time events because I, some people may be able to, to do them while still watching the action, but I am mm-hmm. not one of those people. I, I focus in on the task at hand and I avoid all distractions kind of deal. Um, so I, I don't get to enjoy the awesome cinematic experience of the quick time event. They really should have you lock in the quick time event first. And then you watch it or something. Right, I don't know. Right. That would kind well, of feel lame too. That's the Dragon's Lair model, which is like you have to hit the button or the direction at the right moment. And then the next four or five seconds of animation is for you to enjoy. Um, but that pace maybe doesn't work anymore. Or for some yeah. reason, it turned out like, no, every single uh, motion of the arm has to be simulated in the QTE. It's like, well, really? Does it? I mean, I can still feel agency. And by just simply feeling like I have to, um, I don't know, that there's a certain like it's hard to hold a button down forever or for trigger buttons. And I'm just have to hold them a certain way. And I feel like I'm holding onto a rope uh, and that's enough for the right amount of time that I just let go. And, but I'm not like watching, like you say, a meter or a, a menu that's constantly showing me now this button, now this button, now this button, now this button. And he's like, wait, I wasn't paying attention to the action on screen. I just wow. looking at the UI. Yeah. But uh, now we're getting into the realm of VR and 3d tracked inputs. So your QTEs will literally be you doing the actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you'll get to actually enjoy it in theory. But uh, so, Oh, interesting. So the, mechanic because if, if it's to do this embellishment of uh, sword right, right. slashes and you have a sword right. just do the sword slashes right uh-huh. like you know when it comes to the physics of a 3d track controller yeah. your your hands are the definition physically of an unstoppable mm-hmm. force because mm-hmm. there's literally nothing that will make you recoil unless you accidentally like punch your wall because you lost right. track of where you were in your room or right. whatever um right. and so yeah i mean just you want to slash your enemies slash your enemies right um right. Yeah, I know there could be some neat stuff there. It makes swords and stuff weird, but yeah. I'm getting off topic again. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> death to quick time events. <laughs> <laughs> hit, hit X five times to uh, kill all quick time events in this game. That's right. And then after you hit X the f- for four times, you know the fifth one. You're, you're just like, no way is it going to be X again. And then it is. And you're like, I hate this. <laughs>
All right. So we uh, have gone over on time. We always go over on time. Yeah. We should just adjust how much time we say it's going to take, and then we won't go over anymore. Right. But uh, anything else to wrap up with? Any no, games you're currently playing? Um, let's see. Uh, nothing significant enough that I want to share. Um, yeah, let's just end it at that. Like It's too early to say whether or not. I would be interested to hear about this um, phone game that you've sunk 150 hours into, actually. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Because um, I am looking for a new game. Do you play MOBAs? Yes. All right. Um, when I'm allowed so I, to. Yeah, I've tried a few of them. Um, yeah. I believe, you know, actually, I'm going to pull this up. I believe it's called Mobile Legends. Uh, yes. And it's pretty good. And I tell you what, uh, so there, there's an endorsement. It's pretty good. I'll give okay. it my my one Mike's face out of one. But okay. uh, yeah, it's uh, it it looks more generic than the other ones. But there's a ton of people playing. It doesn't take very long for matches. There's a lot of interesting characters, and the controls are really responsive. So say the name um, again for Mobile it, Legends. Mobile Legends. So it's on what Android and iPhone. Uh, I don't know if it's on iOS? iPhone or not. But okay. there's like a MOBA Legends, okay. Okay. and then there's League of Mobile. And okay. then, so basically all these deviations of right. League of Legends, right? Okay. Um, but this one is Mobile Legends. Mobile, but anyway, so I've sunk Legends. a lot okay. of time into it, um, and I enjoy it. But at any rate, it's also fun, too, because uh, the translation is pretty bad right now. <laughs> okay. Um, it's Because it, it's, I believe it's a, an Indian company, uh, but they have a lot of, like, Singapore uh, players and stuff like that. And so, like, the, the English translations are kind of endearing after a while. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to look into it. I'll see if I can get it on my uh, iPad or on, on my iPhone. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, uh, so there's there's a plug uh, for that company. So uh, enjoy, play it. But okay. uh, yeah, so I guess the, that'll, that'll wrap up for here. I'm actually about to go play some Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, nice. Enjoy. <laughs> I will. Have fun storming the castle. Always do. We're in the castle now. <laughs> oh, now it's nice. just time to clean up. Um, all right. So All anyway, the dragon that, turds. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this one, God, the, there's your ending. Uh, so this was Mike's Video Game Podcast episode eight, 18? Yes. 18. Yes, 18. We had to look that up. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mike Gag. I'm Mike Wu. And uh, hopefully uh, the next episode won't take us four or five months. Yes, definitely not four or five months. Squad Maybe goals. Three. Maybe three. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>